The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. My name is Jim Lefter. I'm kind of a spiritual journeyman and media producer type guy. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com. I'm here with my special guest host, spiritual rebel, and the real captain of the starship Rebel One, Sarah Bowen. Sarah is the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. And she's been a frequent contributor to Big Universe in the past several months. And somehow I've convinced her to come on as a co-host for a while. How you doing, Sarah? I'm doing good, Jim. I hear I have my own spaceship now, too. Isn't that awesome? I love this co-hosting and my own spaceship. Somehow you've convinced me because I love this show. We talk spirituality and science fiction and pop culture. What's better than that? Well, that's awesome. And, you know, I have, because you've been co-hosting so often lately, I have a bunch of big universe swag coming your way. Um, I have non-existent t-shirts, cup holders, (laughs) cutouts, um, and, uh, and all kinds of great stuff that you will get virtually in the simulation that we'll talk about later with with Royce. I love virtual swag because it's really good on the environment, right? It <laughs> never gets dirty. It never gets old. And it really, you know, it's better than, um, you know, it's better than being a cyborg, really which I was last week. So virtual swag this week. I was a Borg last week. I just love where we're going with this. (laughs) Now, you know, actually, Sarah does have swag for her spiritual rebel stuff. And I can tell you that I drank from my spiritual rebel fancy coffee mug this morning. So go to her website. You can get some of her swag. Yeah, actually, you know, we did do swag for the book tour for spiritual rebel and all the proceeds from it go to help bring clean water where there's dirty water. So we put kind of a nice, um, nice thing behind the swag. So every time you drink from your coffee, Jim, you're helping people get clean water. Love that. Well, I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, I think we might do virtual swag, though, too. I think I'm going to have to think about this this afternoon. It's not that expensive to produce. Okay, Our, I'll ask you for tips after the show. You got it. <laughs> you got it. So we were, uh, we were talking about, uh, before the show started, we were conversing about that favorite firefly uh show and 
you mentioned that you had finally seen the final movie, Serenity. How do you feel? You know, we're a little sad. We were watching, we were trying not to binge watch it because we really loved the show. It's a space Western, right? My husband loves cowboy movies. I love sci-fi. What's better than mixing the two, right? So we've been dripping it all week, like one episode, one episode, and we finally watched the movie and I loved it. I think everybody listening now should binge watch it this weekend. I agree. I agree. And I have to tell you that uh, I am very, a very proud father because I have my son who with supervision has watched Firefly, is currently watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and even looks at a little bit of I Love Lucy. Plus, he's a Beatles fan. So I feel like I'm raising him right. You're like number one dad. We'll send you virtual swag that says number one dad award. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that. But you know, what I really do like about these shows is, you know, as we're looking at the world now as more than just being kind of human centric, and we start to look at what effect we have on nature and, and what's happening. And, you know, how can we look from a planetary perspective? Science fiction is a good way to kind of bend the mind around some of those concepts. Absolutely. And, you know, when you think about sci-fi, both in, in book form and in, in visual form, really has predicted a lot of things that have gone on in the world. And, you know, we can use those, those predictions or those ideas to make the world a better place. Yeah, you know, that dovetails so well with what we're going to be talking about with the guest today. But that idea of, you know, we write things and then, and then we make them, right? So what we're doing in our books and our films and our movies is helping bring the future into being and I think through books and through movies, we get to kind of play with it a little bit to see what resonates and, you know, and what goes wrong, right? So we can, right, what right. theoretically goes wrong, uh, as, right. as happened in the movie Serenity, right? Um, but, you know, what, what we think, our thoughts are powerful. Absolutely. And we have choices. We have choices we can make. Yeah, absolutely. All right. You ready for Dueling Inspirations? I am. Go for it. I always have to go first. Do you want me to go first? No, I'm going to go first. <laughs> I just wanted to kvetch about it. Okay, so here we go. This is a two-liner. It's, it's almost kind of like the beginning of uh, two different thoughts that seem to go together and seem to not go together. Here we go. Sometimes we pray to a God outside of ourselves. It is the God in the midst of us that frees and heals. Ooh, I love that. You see what I did there? Well, I didn't do it. Do you see what whoever wrote this did there? I do. I love this idea of, you know, we have that sometimes that divinity that's outside of us and sometimes calling on that divinity that is inside of us, kind of a both and instead of an either or. Yeah, and I find it intriguing. You know, there's a certain point in most of our lives or a lot of our lives that we, we see that external idea of God. And if that's where you are, that's what you need. I think that's okay. But I think that eventually a lot of us come around to the idea that, you know, it's a spiritual presence that we're a part of and, yeah. and not something external. And I, I love being able to look at it both ways because that brings the biggest inclusivity of divinity into my life, right? Sometimes I need to cry out. Right now I need to cry out. There's some crazy stuff going on in the world and I want to cry outside of myself. And then I can find that strength in the God inside after I've had my little spiritual fit, I suppose we call that. Anyway, right. I should not claim these words as myself. This is, guess who? Don't know. Myrtle Fillmore. 
I, you know, I almost said Myrtle. I swear, I almost I, said it. I warned you last week. I told you I was thinking about Myrtle. So here we go. So that, wow. that's my contribution today. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to uh, give you mine. All right, let's hear it. What a piece of work is a man. How noble in reason, how infinite in faculties, in form and moving, how express and admirable, in action, how like an angel, in apprehension, how like a god. So I have like three names that came to mind, and it's probably none of them. Go for it. <laughs> you know, I kind of thought of Viktor Frankl a little bit there, and I also thought about Carl Jung a little bit, which it probably isn't either. And then I thought about Abraham Heschel. So it's probably none of those three. Who is it? It's Billy Shakespeare, William Shakespeare. Is that right? Will you read that again? What a, what a piece of work is a man. How noble in reason, how infinite in faculties, in form and moving how express and admirable, in action how like an angel, in apprehension how like a god. Wow, go Shakespeare. Go Billy. I like that. All right. Are you ready to jump into our episode? I am. I, I'm so excited because this is the second part of one we were being very loquacious about before, and it was a lot of fun. So I hope we even kick it up more this time. You use fancy words like loquacious. That's my favorite word. I use it all the time. <laughs> well, it all shouldn't right, impress you yet. <laughs> it still impresses me. All right. Let's do it then, Jim. Sounds good. Ed Biagioti joins us with a segment. Hello, everyone. This is Edward Biagioti, and I'm just going to say a few words about following, paying attention to our intuition, tapping into our intuition. And uh, it's such an amazing thing to live a life in which we pay attention to and follow our intuitive leads because... The way I've learned and the way a lot of the teachers in the New Thought movement um, understand the spiritual path is that our rational mind is limited to what we can see uh, here. You know, our five senses or memories, things that we can, you know, kind of think about from the past and make calculations about what might happen next. And, you know, and that's that's very limiting, whereas intuition is tapping into this moment in a way that goes beyond what our rational mind can comprehend. And, you know, the number one way we can tune ourselves into intuition, for one, is to really learn to trust that it's real, that when we have these feelings, strong feelings about things, especially those ones that just fill you up with life and inspiration, that you can indeed trust them. And one of the things that you can do to really help cultivate that connection to intuition is having a morning routine that involves meditation, inspired reading, and affirmative prayer. Um, you know, I, do, I also do an evening practice which involves these things because I love it so much. And see, one thing I recommend with a morning routine is to make it simple. It's, I think it's better to introduce something that's easy for yourself to do, even if it's only for 30 seconds or a minute or two minutes or three minutes or you know, seven minutes or whatever, whatever you, whatever sounds inviting for you, read one inspired paragraph, you know, and if, because if you do that consistently, 
like you would brush your teeth, your subconscious mind starts to accept it as just part of life. And so it just becomes easier and easier to do. And then on top of that, these type of practices, if you're doing them right, (laughs) if you will, I know we don't like to talk about right and wrong, but if you're doing it right, for lack of a better word, it should feel good and it becomes something that you look forward to and it's personal to you. And the beauty of this time is that we establish a direct connection, a conscious connection with the infinite. We, we don't have, it, it, it's, it's as simple as just breathing, relaxing, closing your eyes and just letting go for a little while, noticing the room, let your mind wander. You know, there's a lot of different practices, but mine is so simple. I just relax. I breathe. I don't even practice any particular type of breathing, but I'll feel my hands, feel my body. And like I said, I'll do some inspired reading beforehand, such as Florence Scovel's Shin, which I have right here from uh, The Game of Life and How to Play It in the chapter called Intuition or Guidance. She says, intuition is a spiritual faculty and does not explain, but simply points the way. A person often receives a lead during a treatment or meditation or prayer. The idea that comes may seem quite irrelevant, but some of God's leadings are mysterious. And that's the thing. Your rational mind tries to cling to plans and overly cling to vision boards and these ideas that we have about how things are going to happen. But the truth is the best things, the real things do not even, they come in unexpected ways. So we spend time connecting with our dreams and desires and then we let them go and we go out and follow our intuitive leads that come in the form of joyous feelings, just a nudge. Oh, maybe I should go here. Earlier today, I was preparing to do a show uh, for Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed, which is on Unity Online Radio. The show is called Grin and Share It. And so I pulled into a coffee shop that I have noticed before, but never pulled into before. And this show is all about, that we're uh, that I was prepping for, was all about the ripple effect of smiling and sharing joy throughout your day. And so I got in line and everyone was doing their social distancing And from inside the coffee shop, a sneeze rang out. And the man in front of me and I looked at each other and I said, oh my goodness, that's everyone's worst nightmare. You know, I was half joking. And then he said, yeah, that was the sneeze heard around the world. And I started laughing uh, sincerely. And he looked me in the eye and he said, wow, thank you for that laugh. A laugh like that just helps clear everything away. Laughter really is the best medicine. And I said, I couldn't agree more. We became fast friends and I went on my way and I just thought, wow, I had that intuitive hunch to just go get a coffee there. And now I have the perfect story to share on my show. So follow those intuitive leads. And uh, I look forward to talking to you next time. Again, tune in to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed on Unity Online Radio. We'll, We'll see you again. Sarah, I don't know about you, but I'm thrilled to have our guest come back on the show for the second time, Royce Kristen, author of Scripting Your Life. Royce, we had so much fun with you the first time. You're actually the first guest that has returned with us. And not only that, you will receive a virtual plaque in the mail shortly. Oh my God, I'm so honored. I'm glad I've been thinking about you guys since I came on two weeks ago. (laughs) I haven't stopped. It was my favorite conversation. I've had like three really good conversations and uh, you guys are up there, my favorite by far on the radio. So thank you for having me back just two weeks later. (laughs) 
Hey, Jim, we're number one. We're number we're one. Number one. We're you number are. One. You are. And I get a virtual plaque. I mean, now I feel like it's like SNL, you know, with, with Steve Martin and Alec Baldwin. They're always fighting over who is on the most times. I just have to keep coming back and maybe get someone to fight with over it or not. I could just be the king and, you know, keep going. <laughs> well, well, there's such a wealth of material that you're talking about. So uh, uh, let, me, let me give you a uh, brief uh, anyone who's tuning in for the first time and didn't hear the first interview, um, we I just want to give you a brief idea of who Royce is. Royce Christian is an actor, speaker, writer, and documentary filmmaker. As an actor, he appeared on Wizards of Waverly Place. As a director, he directed the doc Out in the Open. But these days, he's become a guru in the realm of creating the life you want. Not only does he have this book, Scripting Your Life, but there are rumors that there are more books in the work. Is that true? That is very true. Yes. I don't know how you heard those rumors, but yes. No, they, they, I, it's probably because I, you were in my workshop on Saturday. Yes, which I enjoyed it, which I enjoyed. <laughs> are we allowed to uh, that, say that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I have two uh, done and already in. It was very accidental, though, both books. One happened last year. So, you know, for those of you up there. You scripted it. It's not accidental. I, you scripted I did. it. Well, I did. This was 100% what I talk about in this book, Scripting the Life You Want, at the end. And it actually, this is as is the case quite often with scripting. It came back even better. And there's more because it just, one thing about scripting that a lot of people have been writing to me who have read the book and have tried it or have started, they all say the same thing, which I've heard personally with like friends and family for a long time, which is how this is a very unique way to manifest because it's a little bit of a slower start, but once you get on the roll, so it's easier to start, I should say. They say that because I find, and it's true, it is a lot easier no matter where you are, even if you're me, who's been doing this technique that I created for, my God, we're getting close to two decades. It's always easy to start. And if you stop, it's not the end of the world, like a lot of manifesting practices. So that part they like, but also the little things or the big things in some cases that people are writing me that they've manifested just in the two weeks since they've been doing it, since they read the book, they love it because there's a lot more that are, there's a lot more things that are happening uh, on their list than normal. And that's what happened to me even. So yeah, I, what happened was I was, uh, for those of you out there listening, the way the book world works, which I'm very new to, the publishing world, um, is I sent in, you could do a, a, a manuscript or a completed, you know, a completed book, or you can do a, uh, I guess they call it like a, an outline, basically. But I had one book written and then the stories in this book scripting life you want about how that book that is out now first came to be but the really weird thing is i got asked to write an article for our friend hard bishop uh so that was at the end i wrote the book this book in 63 days i didn't stop though so i wrote like 12 hours a day for 63 days uh at the end of 2018 it was november and december 2018 i think i turned it in to the publisher on january 5th something like that 2019 so about a year and a half ago and um you know, one of the things that I've been working towards is a multi-book deal. So that was already happening because I had written another book and this one sort of took its place. But I really weird or very cool, however you want to look at it. Uh, Harv Bishop asked me to write an article about memes and uh, I did. And then there was a part two coming. This was last January. And I started to write part two based on my notes from just all my years of research and fell down a literal rabbit hole. This was January. So then May, I wrote him, I said, hang on, I'm still working on it. So by June, I had a hundred thousand word article, which I realized wasn't an article. I realized it before that. But I read Harvin and I was like, look, thank you, because I just wrote 
book two or three, depending on when they want to release it. <laughs> also, I'm sorry because I don't have your article, but you gave me like this incredible gift because it flowed. Awesome. It, was, it was just the craziest thing. So uh, part two is finally coming out though. Uh, Cause a lot of people read that article and loved it and were yelling at us. It was totally my fault. I owned it immediately, uh, but it's coming out finally this weekend. Uh, so whatever, Whatever this coming Sunday is, the 26th maybe, or 5th, I can't, I, I don't have a calendar in front of me, but this coming April, awesome. whatever it is. But uh, so yeah, so that happened. And then uh, the workshop you took this week, uh, that was another really Which was weird. Great. Thank you. Yeah, it's called Scripting Your Environment. I don't have a book, I don't have a name for the, so that book that I wrote based on Harv is all about, uh, it just, ta it takes chapters, um, it takes the science chapters and makes it into a whole book basically, but. That is awesome. That, that is awesome. Um, so what I want to do in this portion is talk a little bit, go back over scripting a little bit with some, some, you know, basics so that we can then move yeah. into the cool science stuff uh, behind it and, and all the other stuff. And I, I want to eventually get to, you know, I have scripted my pony, but I haven't received the pony yet. And yeah, I, wanna, no, it's and I want to understand, you know, what's going on with that. Um, okay. So scripting the way I teach it, is a little bit different. The, the, the normal uh, way that people hear about it usually, in my experience, is uh, the idea being you pretend you're having a phone conversation or you're speaking out loud to a friend about something that you've manifested. Uh, and you really, the point of this fake conversation is to get into the feeling place of having it. So the example I use in my book uh, in, the, in the introduction is, you know, if you want to be president, maybe you're on the phone with your parent or your best friend about how incredible the inauguration was and blah, blah, blah. But that's the point. Um, it always made me feel like a crazy person, you know, talking out loud, especially when you're in an environment that may not be uh, super supportive visually of being this thing or right. experiencing this thing that you want. So my version is very different. It took a few years to figure out. And it's very simple, as most things uh, that work are. It turned out to be the easiest thing. And I had been keeping a journal for years, which is something I recommend everybody do as part of their scripting work that I teach. And um, I realized that I needed to start writing the end of the day journal essentially in the morning when I first woke up. So what my practice is, it's five minutes in the morning and five minutes at night. It's super simple. Sundays are a little bit longer if you want. It doesn't have to be, but I recommend it. And basically every day you're gonna write uh, three to seven intentions. It's a want list, I call it. So uh, you may uh, want to weigh a certain weight or you may want a certain computer or you may just want to have a good day. You want to change that into the words I intend. So I intend to have a great day. I intend to weigh 145 pounds if you're a guy. I'm really terrible at weight. Um, whatever weight you out there, I always try to pick like a baseline. <laughs> I intend to look 30. <laughs> I know. I intend. But so you want to do an intention list and it can be basic, which I'll talk about in a second, or it can be extravagant. It could be the things you wanted forever. It, it, um, it's important. Okay. Yeah, that's a question that I had, whether it should be something immediate or something. Can you put stuff on there that's, you know, more long term? Oh, of. long term and, and, and boring. So it's, it, this is one of the keys that I figured out is you want to change up your want list every day. And for me, I was just writing an email back to a reader yesterday. And he had written me and said that uh, he, you know, he had been through just a lot in his life. And, and, th and then the book was finally making him feel like he could take some control. And the thing that he latched onto, which I was so excited about, when I say to people, write mundane, like really like write stuff down that is boring that you want because 
it helps so much from a scientific perspective, which we'll talk about later. Um, so you want those things on your want list. Like I intend to have a good day. I intend for my dental appointment today to go well. I intend for my Zoom meeting to go. I intend to drink a lot of water, like really things like that. And on top of that, you want to put the, I intend to be a billionaire, or I intend to own this address, or I intend to whatever it is. And every day you're changing it. So what I told this guy was, I said, thank you, because most people don't hear me in my coaching. Now, it's been different with the book, but um, I really tried to like, basically like shove it in people's face. You have to write boring stuff down. It's so important. Again, we'll talk about the science that I didn't know the science of it until a few years ago, but I've been doing it for 15, 16 years. Um, but it, I knew there was something there and I was right. So with that list, um, we can go into that a little bit more, but you want to have both and you change it every day. Some days I wake up and I am just not feeling it. And I just write down three to four, just it's a good day, whatever. You know, sometimes you're in a rush. Sometimes you can't do it. And that's one thing I learned with writing this book and the research is I always had this thing of 21 days is how you create a habit. You miss a day. Total bull. Total lie. Thought it was real. Like there's no, I don't know. I'm yeah, we sure hear that I, I all have, the time. Yeah, we hear. Yeah, that well, it's, it's a meme. I mean, yeah. we're all infected <laughs> yeah. with that virus, that belief. But um, yeah, it's. I believed it too. I, I have. I, that's just my nature to question absolutely everything. So I remember when I was writing the book, I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't apply to scripting. I bet you it's not real. It wasn't. So anyway, so if you miss a day, some days you're you're gonna miss a day. Uh, to totally frank, I missed a day. I mean, it happens. Even in like this, is one of the best periods of my life. It happens sometimes. Now, um, that again, it doesn't matter. That's the best thing about scripting. It's not something that you have to be crazy about. So you want to do your want list, three to seven intentions a day, uh, big and small. Try to include both. Some days you will write all big. Some days you'll write 50. You can write more than seven. I just, I just say three is the minimum. Seven is a good number. And uh, you want to take that and look at that list after you're done. It takes about a minute. And you can type it or write it on paper or write it in your phone, notebook. I don't care. Um, and then your belief list is next. It's two things. And it literally is uh, just two of the ones that you have. And you're going to take the two that you believe are most possible. And they can be big things too. But really, you've got to ask yourself, what here do I believe? Do I believe I'll drink a lot of water today? Whatever feels the most grounded, write that on your belief list. Okay, so 30 seconds, you're just taking two things and writing your belief list. And then your script. And your script is what you're doing at night now, which is your regular journal. Uh, but it's in the daytime. It's first thing. So you've written your once, your beliefs kind of got your, your brain focused and you are going to pretend it's the end of the night. You're back in bed or you're back wherever you are at that time at night and you're writing how your day went. Now it's first thing in the morning or whenever you wake up for your day. Some people's day, well, now who knows, you know, some people's day right. don't start at all, but you know, because they're just sleeping and good for them. But so whenever your day starts, you know, I write in the book, if you're, you know, a, a night shift worker, your graveyard casino host, your day is going to start a lot later than, than most people. So I don't like to say morning, but when you do write this script, your morning script, it is as if the day has already happened and you want to include all the boring stuff and all of the good stuff too. So it is a very brick by brick approach. Now, how you get the bigger things is with something I encourage everyone to do on Sundays or Mondays. Uh, I don't know. Okay, why I'm going to stop you there because yeah, yeah. we're, we got to end the segment. However, it's a, it's a cliffhanger. We will come it back is. in just a minute and uh, follow up. We'll be right back.
We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. And I rudely interrupted Royce Christian, and he was about to uh, get into the 10-day script. Let's talk about that briefly. What is the 10-day script? It wasn't rude at all. I, I was telling Jim during the break, I need to be interrupted sometimes because I'll just go on forever. <laughs> um, so yeah, on Sundays, you want to do a 10-day script. So you're going to, uh, you, you will do the same thing in the morning, your intention list and your belief list, but you won't write a script. And I wanted to add, the script is not some long, laborious thing. It can be a paragraph. I recommend three to four, um, but they don't be long paragraphs. So, you know, really... Uh, maybe total 15 to 20 sentences for people who don't like to write. Um, it can be three to four if you're, you're really just starting out and you want to try it. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't, there's, it's easy. It's a really fun, easy tool. So there's not a ton of rules around it. But um, on Sundays, what this was my big breakthrough was the 10 day script. Uh, they really both go hand in hand though. So you don't do the morning script, but whenever you want on a Sunday, a lot of people tend to have off, but whatever day you pick is your Sunday. You want to write, ahead like you do normally day to day 10 days into the future and this is really where you can start adding in the bigger ones uh it usually takes for most of my for me the first time i did it it worked immediately for most of my people that i work with and my clients and my students it takes i'd say maybe two to three so we're looking at maybe three weeks before they start to see it but once it clicks in i always know they something's happened because if I'm on video or in person or whatever, their eyes are just like, they can't wait because it's just the crazy, and it is the craziest thing is the amount of details that start to happen that they write that they think are impossible or they write because they're just trying to write stuff because it's a little bit of a longer script. This one is a couple pages. Um, notebook pages. Again, on a computer, you might be looking at a page realistically on Word. I mean, I write really big. So anyway, you write ahead and that, 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 that helps you add in the details that you can achieve in the, for, in the next 12 to 24 hours in your day to day. You're adding in 10 days at a time. Now, that's the great thing with the want list. Just to quickly note, you can put things in there that might take a year or more, whatever you think it will be to manifest. Um, that's where, you know, it's open season, if you will. There's a lot of science, though, that backs up. I know you have some questions about why you're, you've been working on the pony and it hasn't come yet. <laughs> um, it's a little early. I mean, honestly, you, I know when you got the book because I sent it to you. So it's, it's, it's two weeks ago today I was on the show. So I would say you will start to, the pony's hard. A lot of this comes down. This I'm just kidding belief. about the pony. You know that. I right? know. I know. It's a great analogy. I, no one has said that. I love it. I love it. Um, it's great, though, because a lot of people don't realize, and I know you do. but It's I, really I, an I, elephant. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was like, well, not, okay. I don't want it to be animal rights. I don't know, Jim, oh. where are you going to keep an elephant? We got to talk about this. All right, I know. Right. <laughs> We're all like in our, in our offices here and I, I, we can see each other. I know the people listening can't, but they're great offices. I don't know if they can fit a giant wild animal, a rescue animal, a rescue right, animal. I, I it has totally, to be a rescue. Totally you, you totally digressed off. us yes. into the animal Go. thing and I'm going to take it unless you pull it back. I know. We're, we're about to, Sarah and I are going to run with this. <laughs> okay. Okay. Back to the, okay. back to your content. I was just going to say, so you're, no, so it's it's early. It's really early. And that, that's what I was going to say. I write about this in the book. I know we want to jump into science, and I think this is an interesting jump-off point, is a lot of people don't realize that 
what I didn't realize this when I was younger, uh, and, and it's still hard to grapple with sometimes, even though I teach this stuff, and I've been teaching it privately for five or six years now, and it's a lot. What you believe, or the timeline that you give yourself of when something is believably manifestable, neither of those are, or that's not a real phrase, but when where you think it is in, in time, as far as if you believe that it's gonna take a week to manifest or a year, we hear this a lot in this world, but there is a lot of truth to it because I have found that with scripting, what it does is it eradicates these weird false belief systems that a lot of times are memes, which we can talk about. But the reason is when you're going day by day and brick by brick and you're starting to put in things that are mundane and boring and then they're happening, you're rewiring your circuitry. You're rewiring the way your brain perceives things and receives information. And those timelines that maybe you thought, oh, it'll take 10 years to when a Pulitzer for writing, I don't know, whatever it is you might think will take forever, it starts to go away and then you manifest much quicker because we're working on a totally new, weird, my own wacky framework here, but it applies to most new thought manifesting systems because my concern with people is making sure they understand that perception is everything and that our brains, even though it's a little weird to talk about them, like they're outside of our bodies, it really helps to explain to people and teach people how to best use the tools we're born with to manifest the things that in many cases, this is the wildest part always, are already in our environment. We're just not seeing them. I have one question to follow up and then let's dive into the science. I know Sarah is like, come on. I know um, we both are like, come on, Jim. No, kidding. <laughs> so when you're doing your evening journal, how honest should you be in oh, that journal? Oh, it's forensic. You need to be, look, some people, it really depends on how you are. Me personally, if I have a crap day, I write it out. You do not have to sugarcoat it. It makes it feel better when things are good for me. You know, I, I say be as honest as you can because this is not about lying, it's about truth. And it's a little weird for people to do the morning script at first because it feels, I don't say like lying, it doesn't. People think it's going to feel that way. I hear it a lot before they start and they start and like, oh, I get it, it doesn't. And that's why we talk about just putting boring stuff in because it's, you know, you don't feel bad about saying you're going to drink better water or drink more water, not better water, but you know, or exercise or whatever it is. Uh, I don't know what better water is. I'm sure there is. That's a whole other discussion. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, for me, it's forensic. And that's what, you know, Mitch Horowitz, who is your friend too, and he wrote my forward to my book. Uh, he writes, it's the, it is the forensic journal, but it is on purpose because I think that if you're not being honest, it grounds us into when things are coming true because you want to be just as honest when you're having incredible manifestations or really just good days. You want to see that. And it helps to have a record and look to, for me at least, and for most of the people that I work with, they love looking back and seeing that whole journey, you know, play out. Awesome. Um, we're going to jump into the science now. And I have yeah. to, I have to warn you, you know, I, uh, the only reason I passed my physics class was because <laughs> I told the teacher I would not take any more of his classes. Oh my God. <laughs> so I'm going to leave a lot of this to Sarah, but the first thing well, you, you know what, Jim, I'm going to have to be honest though. I actually failed physics in high school. So, <laughs> you know, what? I think it's because it's why it was presented to us, I how was it was presented to us. And so I think what's so interesting when I was reading Royce's book and a lot of the other stuff that I like to read is how people can make concepts that seem to be really hard to understand. Um, easier to understand and applicable to our lives. So I think that's what Royce, what you did in the book is take things I love like Schrodinger's cat and yes. the movie, the matrix <laughs> and, and all of this and talk about, well, how does that affect our reality? Right. Not right. our physics. And our spirituality. Yeah, and exactly. Our spirituality. I, you know, you I say in the book, 
Yeah, you say in the book that science is a friend to this community, not the enemy of spirit. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And it was just as shocking for me to realize that. I have to be honest, because uh, like Sarah said, and thank you, Sarah. I, you know, I, I, I was a nerdy science dork. I loved it. I always said if I wasn't an actor, I would have been a biologist. I think um, I'm not though. <laughs> but as an actor. I talked about this on the first show, you know, we are taught to research. That's our, our whole thing. Thank you. Because that is one of my, my, my goals is to make science really accessible. So Jim, you might've failed physics, but I do think a lot of it's in the presentation of how we are presented. Yeah, yeah. And yes, that was the weirdest thing for me because as I started to dive into the science research about the bridge between science and spirituality, I was genuinely looking for answers because I was really fed up with and that sounds mean i wasn't angry i was just like oh my god if i hear the words quantum physics used improperly or that term used incorrectly <laughs> one more time in one more book or one more movie it's helpful it was helpful for people i think especially with such a megalith and an extreme example but like the secret they they gave people the understanding that there was possibly a bridge and that was really really important that was like if the secret accomplished anything and it did it accomplished a lot of things for me it was just letting the general public know that we're not all looney tunes and we do we were looking for the science but the problem was um and i'm sure both of you sarah i mean both of you have probably seen this um that everyone was not everyone but 99 honestly percent i think i found two books where this wasn't the case but they just didn't really talk about science but they were regurgitating what another new thought author or self-help author had written about quantum physics which isn't something you can do and i get why they did it but it's really difficult it's like trying to explain to, to, to someone who has never performed surgery how to perform brain surgery and then maybe they understand it on a, a level that they can write about it but then someone else copying that person and that person and that person and then handing that fifth uh interpretation off to a brain surgeon it would look like uh, it would be completely unreadable you know and that's what so, was happening so to explain quantum mechanics in about two minutes or less oh my god <laughs> That's the beauty of, of my book is, uh, is it takes 20 pages, not two minutes. But, um, <laughs> so, well, here, here's what I think I'll, 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 I'll say out there for people that, that helps. Um, there are a lot of other sciences that I feel explain the bridge between science and spirituality and manifesting a lot better than quantum mechanics. My 20-page opus to quantum mechanics was more, if I'm being honest, so that we all had, I wanted people to have, if they got nothing else from the book, something to go back to for at least a few decades where they could go, okay, wait, I forget. Let me open up Royce's book. There's a really good section that explains what quantum physics is and what it isn't. And what it isn't is the a panacea or the tell-all or the fix-all for everything we see in manifesting. And that was becoming a problem for me because when I really dug in about seven or eight years ago and I really started looking for the science to back up the stuff that I've been working with my whole life, um, I was stunned because there uh, first was memetics, which is memes. And that that's I'll, I'll cover that in two minutes. And then we'll wrap up with quantum mechanics, not because I'm avoiding it. Because no, that's fine. When yeah. you hear all the other stuff, you'll go, oh, I get why he doesn't really care. I care, <laughs> but there's other things out there. Memetics, memes. I thought, like everyone else I ever speak to still, that they were just funny pictures with words on them that kids on the internet shared with each other. That's what I thought a meme was. And I was stunned because it's a science. It memes are considered the the uh, the cultural equivalent of genes as it, it, they relate to evolution. They are essentially representative of 
everything we experience from microwave dinners to cave paintings back in the cave days to any trend you see or song that sticks with people, they are contagious through imitation and they are an actual science to the point where the U.S. government has a handbook for, quote, memetic warfare. And that sounds a little extreme. So but strange, yeah. It is really weird. And uh, Charles Doc, uh, Richard Dawkins, sorry, my God, Charles Darwin, I'm, I've been saying this a lot and I keep mixing the names up between Darwin and Dawkins. Sorry uh, to both well, of them. Well, that's an interesting switch. <laughs> well, they're both evolutionary scientists, I think. So Richard Dawkins and Charles Darwin, it just some for some reason in my head. But I, uh, uh, yeah, Richard, geez, I am really struggling with these names today. Richard Dawkins is an evolutionary scientist and he's very famous, he's very controversial. Um, but he's he's a brilliant guy and you can love him or hate him, but he's a great writer and he's he's a crazy researcher, which I respect. And back in 1979, um, he presented the word meme to the world, which was really weird. To, to, to see and read in a book from the 70s. Because again, we think of meme as something so current and new. Um, and he realized there was something else happening because genetics explained our survival. So our reproduction and we need to eat and survive and live. And those things that are in that box didn't explain why we like to go to the opera. Genetics doesn't explain why we build roller coasters. It doesn't explain why we enjoy music or why we do pretty much everything that we do. And he put forward the idea, which is based on semiotics. I, I will say that's one thing that is very conveniently left out in a lot of mimetic research. This is the, the idea of contagious thoughts and, and cultural, uh, some unit of culture, if you will, like a gene is a unit, uh, a unit of biology, has been around since the late 1800s. But uh, Dawkins really put it forward as something credible to be re-looked at because it just sort of died in the early 1900s. But anyway, memes, uh, he said, were, were real and they, would ex they were contagious and we got them through imitation. Uh, one of the things that I started to see in my own research that um, was really weird was these scientists in the 80s, they sort of ignored him. And then in the very late 80s, it was like some switch got turned on and there was like 15 books put out within like a five-year period and all these brilliant scientists started doing their research and this decade in the 90s which is really crucial and weird because the best book ever written on memetics still to this day was written in 1996 it was published by Hay House um, it's the only somewhat spiritual but very scientific but it includes both elements uh, of it when, you, when it comes to the world of memes book that I have read and I've read everything for everybody out there a lot of them are really boring I did it for you um, but it's called the virus of the mind and Richard Brody wrote it, and he said something so crazy, but it's true, is memetics has taught us. Now, this was after there was a lot of published peer reviews and papers out there, and one thing that, and he sort of summed it up and right before the internet exploded, and he predicted the internet would be really dangerous because memetics through communication means, which includes everything, especially the internet, and remember this in 96, he said, if the internet basically exploded in the way he knew it was about to, um, we would be suddenly faced with billions of mimetic and he calls them mind viruses which is a little extreme for me personally but what he landed on and what all landed on was our thoughts are not always our own so that took me down that tunnel of hold on in manifest so yeah so hold on there a second I, I so i have a question okay yeah yeah so our thoughts are not always our own yeah and it's scientifically proven which was stunning yeah you're like i could see her right now people listening to her face and i know we've talked about this but i still get the chills when i talk about it because it was like there it is there's that thing why don't manifestations work why does law of attraction fail so many times why like for me personally i didn't know this was controversial i don't think it's controversial people don't like to talk about it i would say 
in this world, like the idea of things we write about, especially teachers, maybe not working. But when I read about memetics, I was like, oh, here it is. This is all of it because we are taught and it's correct to a degree, if not all the way, but when it comes to only the thoughts we are creating of our own volition, which is we are taught our thoughts create the feelings which create the emotions and energy which charges out and gets sent out there and magnetizes back our attraction but if our thoughts aren't always our own and we are catching them through each other and media and tv and communications and songs and all these things that we have available to us which aren't bad at all and there are good no but that's too. a that's a key point right so so pulling yeah that there back, are good that, hygiene. <laughs> right, that we're highly, we are highly influencing each other. Yes. And at, we at all are points. And I think at, that's so interesting, whether, you know, whether it's the meme that's on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, or it's this other type of memetic. Well, those are the ones that are, that I was yeah. the best, the, the mo memes are the, and it is the best analogy. And scientists use the analogy of a parasite. Their only function, they're not, uh, they're not sentient at all or anything like that. And they're, they're trying, there's been a very long search to find if there's a physical representation. A lot of scientists are looking towards the dendrites, which are those little branches in our brain. If you ever look at oh, wait, now we're going to go way down the rabbit hole. And I know Jim has like a super important question about past, present, and future that we have to make well, sure we get yes, to. So wrap that in there. Okay. <laughs> really, okay. So well, let me just wrap this up because it's, it is, it, there are, uh, there are the memes we know about. And then the most important thing is the memes that you just said that we don't really talk about it's how we imitate each other whether yeah. you know great examples always if a professor puts out an incredible theory that's a pot and he sends it emails it to all of his other professor friends they have now caught a meme if you've listened to a catchy song that's in your head you've caught a meme there are good good memes neutral memes and bad memes inner city poverty cycles there are terrorism cycles copycat attacks anything imitated which is everything is imitatable to the for the most part um is mimetic and sticky but what i learned uh was the craziest part to me was, wow, our thoughts are on our own. So that's why we're manifesting really weird stuff in some yeah, cases in our yeah. lives. When we don't My gym doesn't have a pony. Right. <laughs> it could be. And what it was the easiest tool ever when I figured out how to start deleting. I say deleting means if you look at your brain like a computer, it really helps. Um, but it is really easy to replace and, and, and filter out. You don't have to go through every lit. You don't have to figure out what every meme is because there you have a finite number basically they don't know 100 so what it is are you creating your own memes is that what you're doing yeah and you want to learn how to infect yourself with your own memes and and take up that space because there is at a point they they think they didn't originally think there was a limited number but there is it might be in the billions but there is it seems a finite number which is what makes them think that it's the newest the newest science on it is suggesting we don't look as much uh, to memes as this object that we're flying to each other, but that we are born with, say, the uh, slot for a billion memes to uh, be converted or taken over or whatever, or, 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 or filled up, if you will. With, it's like with a us. playlist. Yes, exactly. With a certain and amount of delete. spots, right? Yes, and you yeah. can have as, as many or as little as you want. That was one of the funniest things for me as someone who has been in the spiritual world since I was a kid because of my parents. Um, you know, all these scientists writing these books in the 90s, they were really angry by the end of their books because, you, you know, they're writing as they go and you could feel the shift. And I didn't know what it was till about the seventh book I read where they're like, well, meditating seems to be the only thing that clears out memes. Like they angrily would shove it in the back or they didn't know why. There's tons of great science, by the way, for meditating. A lot of it is really new than the last 20 years. In the late 90s, it was just forming 
a lot of mimetic research triggered a lot of the studies that we now know about, about meditation, because they couldn't figure out why quieting the mind was seeming to eradicate cycles in people and things that they knew were influenced by memes. That brought me into perception, which is such a crucial thing for manifesting. Um, and I just want to stick it in. I don't know what time we're at. We can go right to time if you want, but I just wanted to say that if, if you're out there listening, reading the chapter on perception was, that stemmed from my research in memes. And when you understand perception and how there are so many things in our own environment, there are so many things already out there that we are just not seeing because there's another factor in our brains called the reticular activating system that I talked about on the first show, I know I did, that you can go back and listen to from the show two weeks ago, um, that literally is filtering out things to not overwhelm us. It's filtering out where our keys are even, the easy stuff, but it's also filtering out potentially really big opportunities we only have a couple couple minutes left so i've got to hear yes how how future influences the past it's wild we've got like four minutes (laughs) okay all right i could do that only four minutes to save the world what's that song yes that's right yeah this was the weirdest thing this sounds like something out of quantum physics and it wasn't it wasn't for me when i when i started researching it it was actually the the i cite the paper in my book but it was the audiologists who study hearing and what they realized was people are and they could they could they could they have the technology to get this far which is they knew that say in this conversation with Jim and Sarah Jim and Sarah are both somehow their brains know the words that I'm going to say within the next minute before I know before my brain has formed the thought of what I'm going to say now they have the technology to measure that much they do not know why they don't know how they don't know they know there's some other element there and the instruments are coming and blah 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 but they have enough choice your brain impulses your signals that are showing up are the same signals that are showing up from the words that i haven't thought of so my brain isn't showing whatever i'm going to say next yet but yours are it's wild and it works both ways so somehow the future which has not at all been said yet which is whatever we're going to say to each other we're picking up on so that's a it was a wild thing because it's like you know there's like, you know, there's some leading edge science, like, you know, quantum physics and all that stuff that we talk about, but like audiology, like, is it like, you know, the science of hearing isn't something we think of when we're like groundbreaking, like, but it is. And so that was one of the first, I think that was the, you know, it wasn't the first thing I read about the future effect in the past, but it was the, 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 the deal sealer, I think for me, as far as, okay, this is going in the book. So, um, I was stunned to find out that uh, they're the most accepted and commonly accepted theory of time is called the block time theory, which is essentially that time is like a giant three-dimensional square and it's already happened, essentially. There's like beats or minutes, if you will. If I have a, there's a great illustration that I did not draw, but the publisher found a great illustrator in the book. You can see this. It's very hard to verbally explain without an image, but basically it is that everything has already happened. Now, not every scientist likes this or agrees this, but the, the majority, the, like the accepted thing is that, is that it's all already happened. And it's all in this sort of weird, uh, entropic, uh for like for like it's just kind of like it all happened at the same time the big bang if you will that's a really good example they use a lot happened and we're just sort of like decaying and this entropy is occurring and it just will end because it's already been predicted to end that's sort of a better way of understanding it they sort of just think we're spinning out until that's the end but um there's quite a few studies i cite and there are the quantum entanglement studies in the book which talk about how uh, particles that are, you know, in, in the lab, the equivalent of whatever trillions of miles apart are picking up on each other's signals before uh, they, they uh, the, whatever experiment is 
performed, and that's the the, the big one is um, they were able to take recently uh, researchers in Australia were able to take the very uh, famous experiment that said the observer affects the outcome. Uh, we've all heard about it. There's a about six different versions of this that we There's know. There's my cat. There's your cat. <laughs> yes. There is your cat. Um, Schrodinger's cat is is one of is the first. Uh, there's quite a few variations. Talk about it in the book, but basically, what they've done that was a theory that they then were actually very like literally in the last few years, very recently, finally able to make real because they were able to do it on a quantum scale, but not on the atomic scale, which sounds like whoa, big difference, but it is. So with atoms, they were able to prove that the scientists, and they thought at first it would be the scientists are affecting whether the atom goes through slit one or slit two. If you, you know, you always see that, or do they split and go back together? All right. But then All they right. realized. You are totally. <laughs> so the end. Then they realized, let me just button it. Then they yeah. realized that it, it does, it didn't, it didn't matter because somehow the atom knew what the, the researcher was going to decide before the researcher decided it. You, and I talk about why that's important, because we can use that to our benefit. <laughs> you are totally blowing my mind. And I feel like, you know, we could have you I on like, stuff. I, <laughs> we could have you on like weekly, and we still I, wouldn't get to it all. So you be we'll, Jim, Sarah and Royce. Yeah, uh, I, I would do it. <laughs> that this show I would do this show I would do. It um, is awesome. It is awesome. And there's so much material. And I wish, you know, there's so much I want to get into. I want to talk about Perception week, versus reality. Week three. We can matrix, just, if we really want to world. do it, we just, if we want to do it, we could just take each, each, whatever, the four big science chapters and break them down in a couple of weeks and go, we're going to do this chapter this week and that one next. That might, be, that might be a lot of fun. That might be a lot of fun. I would love to have the chance to actually talk about it. It took poor Harv Bishop, the interviews up, but it was a six hour interview. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my well, gosh. And I think it does, it does, it does give people something like in the book, Royce lays this out so well and organized so pick up the book absolutely yeah pick it's really hard to talk about it <laughs> it is there's so much material and i i have to thank you for coming on big thank universe you. again royce it's been wonderful to have you i love you guys you, we you're love both you amazing too. you're so and, great and uh you know if you want to find out more about royce christian make sure you check out his website at roycechristian.com um there's also pick up his book scripting the life you want manifest your dreams with just pen and paper for more information about Sarah Bowen, go to spiritual-rebel.com. I've got premium video courses on my website, and I also help people create them at youthrivehere.com. Hope you join me. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time on Big Universe. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.